0: The Seattle Opera Podcast. Hi, opera-loving podcast listeners. It's Jonathan Dean, Seattle opera dramaturg and jazz enthusiast, here today to tell you a little bit about Charlie Parker's Yardbird. Please rate and review our Seattle Opera Podcast on iTunes or wherever you like to listen you'll hear Charlie Parker's Yardbird at Seattle Opera in the winter of 2020. By then, the opera will be five years old, so new-ish. But actually, opera goers in many other communities have already heard and enjoyed this really compelling new opera about the famous saxophone player. This opera first saw the light of day at Opera Philadelphia back in 2015. They commissioned the work in partnership with Gotham Chamber Opera of New York City, and the piece was presented by Opera Philadelphia in 2016 at the Apollo Theater in Harlem, one of those legendary places where much of the history of jazz actually happened. Then it went to the Midwest for performances by Madison Opera in Wisconsin and with Lyric Opera of Chicago, and then to London, and recently it's been given in Atlanta and Arizona. One of the biggest challenges when it comes to creating new opera is getting performances lined up beyond the opera's premiere. On that count, Charlie Parker's Yardbird has done extremely well as contemporary operas go. We're very excited to bring it to Seattle. This opera explores the life of the one and only Charlie Parker, the saxophone player known as Yardbird, and also just Bird. Now, it isn't a documentary or a biography. Don't think you're going to learn all the details of Charlie Parker's life and career by listening to an opera. Opera is life distilled, concentrated, boiled down. Here we have an artist's rendering of the essence of Charlie Parker's experience. He was one of America's most popular performing artists in the years following World War II. Jazz had gone from being edgy and dangerous to being mainstream and evolving into swing in the 30s and 40s. And although the war had temporarily changed the relation between the races, segregation and traditional American racism reasserted itself with a vengeance in the late 40s. This opera explores Parker's response to mid-century racism. He was the kind of person who was forever pushing back boundaries. And he pioneered bebop, a new kind of sound for the beat generation, before he died, only 34 years old, from a combination of factors exacerbated by his addictions to heroin and alcohol. He died in the hotel suite of his British-born friend and patron, Baroness Panonica de Koenigswarter, and there was a long delay before the body was taken to the morgue and identified. That delay gave librettist Bridget Wimmerly the idea of setting this opera in a kind of purgatory just after Charlie's death, but before plans were made for his funeral. Charlie Parker finds himself in a limbo where he considers the meaning of his life. Although he aspires to sum everything up in one valedictory composition— In the end, he realizes that his music, which was his life and his soul, lives on. The bird flies free. Swiss-born composer Daniel Schneider, who is classically trained and also plays jazz saxophone, has composed an opera which mingles jazz and classical idioms. Here's how Schneider sees that blend. These two things are far apart from each other, and a lot of people think that that doesn't work together, but that's not true. It's it's actually a big chance to create something new. That's the great thing about opera. Opera is simply telling a story through music, with splendid singing. It can use any kind of music. An opera's musical language ought to reflect what it's about or who it's for. An opera about the African-American experience is likely to express itself in jazz, a musical idiom with deep roots in African-American life. Charlie Parker's exceptional genius pushed jazz into new regions of spontaneity and creativity. How can that be translated into the language of opera? Well, it's very interesting. What happens is instead of playing his saxophone in this opera, Charlie Parker plays his voice, if you will. The tenor role of Charlie Parker is an absolute tour de force. He's on stage pretty much the whole opera, which is one big act about 90 minutes long. It's a bit like Zalame or Electra in that. Not a very long opera, but an intense one, particularly if you're the title character. Charlie Parker sings high, he sings low, he sings loud, he sings soft. He uses his voice the way a jazz musician uses his instrument, the way the real Charlie Parker used his sax. Charlie Parker was famous for this kind of thing. When the tenor in the opera sings scat, it's not all that different. The opera character is a kid in Kansas City learning about music, it's the jazz age before swing, and we hear a sound familiar from early Louis Armstrong.
1: It's Sunday morning. Can you hear that music? 1357. Hi, Mr. Bar, let's practice now. Now
0: it's the time I am Years later, in the story and in jazz history, when Parker and Dizzy Gillespie are inventing bebop, there's a very different sound.
1: <laughs> if you are the I am the b
0: if you are the beep, beep, beep. I am
1: the b you must be I, you. I heard he Black Your <laughs> heart is crying, freedom Now dig it, free? You hey, what's your and story Tell me. Yeah. My freedom. Freedom. Freedom.
0: Freedom. So jazz aficionados will find this opera particularly compelling, but the real trick to great opera singing, once you're a master of technique, is to sing it like you mean it. Charlie Parker, the opera character, isn't really a jazz saxophone player, but he is a human being. Can we find something universal about his experience, something that everybody can relate to? In addition to the tenor, who sings Charlie Parker, the opera stars a baritone as the great trumpeter Dizzy Gillespie, and four female singers, we meet Charlie's mother, Addie, who's a lyric soprano, his wives, Rebecca, a mezzo, and Doris, a soprano, and also Chan, a high soprano, and his patron and friend, Nika, who's a deeper-voiced mezzo. There's barely any dialogue. Most of the opera is duets with several wonderful arias and a couple intense ensembles where everybody's on stage, all singing at once. Now, I'm new to Charlie Parker's Yardbird, and most of you probably are as well. Since this opera hasn't yet been heard in Seattle, what I thought I would do on this podcast is simply to play some of its music and explain what's going on so you get a sense of what the opera is like. As the work begins, Charlie Parker has just passed away. His ghost appears at Birdland, the famous New York jazz club named for him.
1: What a night, what a sight for soar eyes, Birdland, 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 I doubt it, then this
0: Mika, this wealthy British woman who's obsessed with jazz, arrives worried because Charlie's dead body is still in her whites-only apartment. Historical footnote. She's right to worry because in real life she was indeed kicked out of her apartment and disowned by her family. Charlie insists she keep his death a secret so he can compose an orchestral masterpiece before the news of his death becomes public.
1: Oh, no. Please I got I to I never know who you are. I'm not going to tell you your toes. So what? You say I try to keep this a secret.
0: But the notes for his masterpiece escape him. His memories transport him back to the Kansas City of his youth, where the neighbors complain about the noisy music he makes, among other things. Keep
1: that music light light music light at night.
0: During this flashback to Kansas City, Charlie's first wife, Rebecca, and Charlie's mother, Addie, console each other that it ain't easy to be a mother or wife to a black man-child. Addie asks Charlie to leave Kansas City. His third wife, Doris, now appears in Birdland. She's heard he's dead, and her profound faith motivates him to begin soul searching. Next to arrive at Birdland is Charlie's old friend, Dizzy Gillespie, who has also heard about Charlie's death. The two of them remember their glory days.
1: Message to the people, no deviation, no hesitation, no segregation, no, only provocation. We share the same message together, no Just
0: change, that's all we got, got it, that's all we
1: got, all we got. No money, no residuals, no royalties, so cause we got nothing, nobody. money, just chump change, that's all we got, got it, that's all we got, all we
0: Charlie's fourth wife, Chan, mother to two of his children, interrupts Charlie and Dizzy. And if you've seen the Forrest Whitaker movie about Charlie Parker, Bird, the one directed by Clint Eastwood, that film concentrated on this relationship between Charlie and Chan. In the opera, Charlie, Dizzy, and Chan remember how Chan first met Charlie. Charlie. Dizzy insists Charlie come with him on a band tour in California. Meanwhile, back in Kansas City, Addie hears her son's recordings. She is proud that he is the king of the saxophone. While in California, Charlie learns from Chan that their two year old daughter has died. He is devastated and experiences a nervous breakdown, ending up in a mental facility. <laughs> When he is recovered, Charlie sings a love song to his saxophone. As the opera approaches its conclusion, Charlie Parker's body is finally identified at the morgue, whereupon the women in his life all argue about where he should be buried. Their voices blend in a final, loving ensemble as they say their farewells to Charlie Parker. Now, at peace, Charlie realizes there's no need to compose a masterpiece. His life's work was playing the saxophone. The opera concludes as Charlie sings lines from the famous poem by Paul Lawrence Dunbar, Sympathy. At the end, the cages fly away into the void, leaving only the memory of this greatly loved, greatly tormented genius. Charlie Parker's Yardbird is about music and creativity, and love and friendship and communication. It's about race and racism in America, and drugs and addiction, and life and death and freedom. I hope you'll be part of this exciting new opera experience Thanks for listening to our podcast Introducing Charlie Parker's Yardbird The Seattle Opera Podcast is a co-production of Seattle Opera and King FM Find more episodes at your favorite podcast provider Or at seattleopera.org or king.org Musical examples from the Opera Philadelphia performance of the opera At the Apollo Theater in Harlem Starring Lawrence Brownlee as Charlie Parker Will Liverman as Dizzy Gillespie Angela Brown as Addie, Emily Pogorek as Chan Elena Peroni as Doris, Crystal E. Williams as Rebecca, and Tamara Mumford as Nika. The Opera Philadelphia Orchestra was conducted by Corrado Roveras.